With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everybody and welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. Tonight I bring you a compilation of sighting reports and strange experiences. Now normally when I bring you a sighting report, sometimes reports are long and very detailed. This can be because the sighting happened over a long period of time. Or it may be due to the number of events that happened during the encounter. More often than not, I receive what I would call snippet reports. Reports that happen very quickly, sometimes only for a second or so. It doesn't enable the witness to gather information or even a detailed description. But these reports are just as important. The witness is normally going about their daily business when for a split second they see something very quickly after a fleeting glimpse. Here are a compilation of those reports. The tall camel-coloured figure, 1998, Scotland. When I was 13, I was travelling to Scotland to fight in a martial arts competition. My club had hired a bus to travel up from Newcastle and we were driving through the Highlands. I was looking out the window and I noticed a man walking through a field. I say a man, but there was something unusual looking about him. This man must have been about two miles away from where I was, but he was still very tall. He must have been at least seven feet tall, and he looked like he was wearing one of those coats that Del Boy would wear, a long camel-coloured coat, and it had a matching hood and pants, all the same colour, a tan colour. From what I could see, he looked quite slender, not the barrel-chested creatures that you hear about in the United States. I remember he had long arms, but there was nothing that looked abnormal about him. But as I say, I was observing him from quite a long way. Something stood out to me about him. I accept this could have been a farmer, but he looked so tall and had a large gait in his walk. And I've never seen one of those kind of jackets with a hood and matching pants. Also, you need to bear in mind that this happened in 1998 and few people wore them back then. Footsteps in the Snow, the Tyrrell, 1983. Back in 1983, my husband and I were stationed in Germany with the RAF. They hired holiday homes for service personnel to have a cheap getaway. One of those homes being in the Tyrrell in Australia. As we were keen skiers at the time, we chose to be up on the mountain. There is a hotel which was closed when we stayed. It must have been around Christmas time, but on its grounds of the hotel there were five caravans. The place was totally deserted, so we were the only people staying there. From what I can remember, we had the forest behind us and the valley in front of us to ourselves with a view of the other mountains. We spent a day skiing and had one of those instamatic cameras. I wore glasses then and then that night we were looking at the pictures we'd taken. 
There was one of me where the light had bound off my glasses, making it look like my eyes were glowing. I remarked that I looked like an abominable snowman on skis, which got us onto the subjects of Yetta as we were eating dinner. We had a silly conversation and, you know, what we'd do if a Yeti put its hand through the window and grabbed our beans on toast. My husband said he'd stab it with his plastic fork, etc. After an uneventful night, we got up the next morning and opened the door and there in the snow were large footprints. Definitely not human, as they were too wide and they used the whole of the foot. They led from the woods behind us and then they circled the caravan at least twice, stopped by various windows as the prints faced towards them, then back up to the woods. We took a photo, but this has been lost due to moving many times since then. To be honest, back then we didn't take it seriously. I was convinced it was probably a caretaker at the hotel having a joke, although we'd not seen anyone in the time that we'd spent there. We were leaving that day, so we didn't bother looking further into it. If it had been today, I'd be taking it very seriously. Talk about a missed opportunity. Looking at Google Maps, I think it is the Interlapen Hotel, as I remember it had a swimming pool that was frozen at the time, and the building looks familiar. The Big Green Man at the end of Nan's Garden, 2006. When my children were younger, I would take them to my parents' house on the weekend and I loved to spend time there. They would often play in the garden. A few years ago, around 2011, my daughter explained a strange event with me that happened a few years earlier at their grandparents' home. The house is surrounded by fields and woodland and the garden extends quite far. There are no other houses at the back of the garden where... This man my children saw could have come from. It's just pasture land and woods. There's a large privet hedge as the border or fence line. My daughter is my eldest child and my son is two years younger. My daughter asked my son if he could remember the big green man at the end of Nan's garden. To which my son excitedly nodded yes. I asked them both what they meant and my daughter explained. We went for a walk up Nan's garden and she used to have a greenhouse at the end and we got where the ducks are now and we both stopped in our tracks and we looked up and we saw this green ragged clothing and red eyes looking at us from back there and we both ran. I was so terrified as soon as I got to the house I just shut the door leaving my brother in the garden with it because I was so scared. A strange visit to Avebury. Now this comes from the witness named Chris Huff. I visited Avery in 84 or 85 on a motorcycle tour of the West Country. We arrived early and we parked in the car park. There was no one else around as the morning mist filled the ditch and it wafted around the base of the stones. We started by walking around the stones of the Great Circle and I was immediately aware of a long line of people alternating men and women who had joined hands and were weaving at walking place, alternating in and out, through the gaps between the stones. It was fairly indistinct and old, but they wore simple clothes and cloaks. All were bareheaded and had bare arms. When we reached the two large guardian stones at the entrance of the avenue, 
I felt an overwhelming urge to touch one of the stones and immediately felt a surge of energy within me, almost like an electric current. It was a full body tingling that stopped as soon as I moved my hand away from it. Touching the stone again did not reproduce the experience. Why and how this happened, I have no idea. A miner hears tree snapping and breaking in 1984. I only live a mile from Burntwood Nursing Home in Howell Woods, where there is a report from 1986 of two upright hairy creatures that chased two boys. I used to fish in a pond in Howell Woods where it happened, and although I never saw it out, I did hear noises of breaking branches and tree limbs snapping, etc. in the woods there. It was just put down to kids playing about in there at the time, although I never heard voices, which you would expect with kids. This was 84, 85, I was as a miner at the time and on strike, so I was off work. Now the report this gentleman refers to was something that happened to two young boys who were out looking for bird eggs. One had climbed a tree, the other was keeping watch, and when they heard someone approaching through the woods, they shot off and realised whatever it was, it was shadowing them in the bushes as they ran. We stopped dead in our tracks, and at that moment, we realised there was no getting away from this thing that was following us, and it just came into view. Honestly, I said shit, as it was so big. Even an adult would consider this thing huge, and we were lads of just 13 and 12 years old back then. It looked like a bulky mass of matted hair. The hair wasn't really long, but it was all tangled and full of twigs and dead leaves. I remember clearly what it looked like, and it didn't have a neck, just a head on big shoulders, and its face looked all gnarly and leathery, like its skin was all weathered. We turned in the opposite direction and set off running up the middle of a cornfield like our lives depended on it. By now, we were crying and gasping for breath, and when we looked over to the tree line about a 100 yards away, there it was again, still flanking us, but as we turned to look back, we realised that the first one we had initially seen was still at the break in the hedgerow, so there must have been at least two out there. We looked again and saw the second one stop, and by now we were about a third of a mile away from the top of the field, and we carried on sprinting till we reached the top. As we got to the top of the field, we stopped to take a breather. I vomited, I was that scared from running so hard. My friend was still sobbing. We looked back and all around, but we couldn't see it or them any longer. Then there was a shrill, sharp scream that was loud, really loud. And by this point, we had both had enough and we didn't hang about. We were out of there like startled rabbits. To this day, I couldn't tell you what it or they were because I have no idea. The Forest of Boland, half man, half ape. I was on a rambling holiday with my husband and we wanted to walk the Dunstan Bridge Tramper Trail and we were just passing the old working man's club near the start of the trail. When I was startled to see a hairy man running through the wood line, I didn't mean a man-sized hairy man, I meant a really tall hairy man. I mean huge, like a half man, half ape. I was so startled, we stopped our trip 
and we returned to the car. When asked about the incident, the witness supplied these details. He ran from the small hedgerow into the heavier woods. I saw the side profile of him. He was a man with huge shoulders and legs, and they were thick with hair like a monkey. Now, there are two other reports in this area. One by a young girl who was visiting the forest with her family, and she saw, these are her own words, something crouching behind a tree. It was hard to make it out at first, and I saw its arms were wrapped around the trunk of the tree as its head was tilted to watch me. I watched It watched my every move. I moved closer and saw it was covered in long fur. I still remember the fear I felt. Eventually, I ran as fast as I could towards the light. The light that would offer me safety, hopefully. And thump, I ran face first into a tree. And as I turned to look back at the thing, it wasn't there. Dazed, I carried on until I met up with my dad again. My face was cut and it poured with blood down my cheek. It took weeks to heal. There wasn't another soul out there in the forest other than me and my family. Another report came in from a wild camper who was camping on the crags, who stated. I first noticed there was something watching me from outside the camp and this lasted about 15 or 20 minutes. I kept watch as the creature lurked around the area where I was camping. It was constantly on the go and seemingly moving every few moments to a different spot from which to apparently get a better view and it just kept watching me all the time. I will be honest, I was scared for a while there. Not by anything the creature did or by any noise that it made, but it kept changing position and watching me constantly. In fact, it was very unnerving and I was quite frightened at the time. But it never made a sound other than the sound of it getting up and running a short distance where it would squat down again and it seemed to be watching me from about as far away as half a football pitch distance. It wouldn't stay in any spot for more than a few moments, and every couple of minutes at the most it would squat there, before lunging up and running off sideways to a different vantage point, where it would squat down again and peer at me. I didn't have a fire going at the time, so I was fairly well in the dark, but the sky provided a slight bit of light, just enough to see the thing as it turned around my area. From that position, it looked to be maybe three or four feet tall, but when it lurched away, it became maybe five foot tall, but it was still hunched. It looked like the stereotypical image of a soldier belly crawling across a World War I battlefield, trying to stay low, only moving astonishingly fast. No human could move like that. It was absolutely terrifying. And the photograph that you're seeing at the moment, the illustration, is the closest thing that the witness could get to what he saw. And the young lass who had the encounter also picked that as the closest to what she saw that day. Now, police report a strange encounter in Yorkshire. I was contacted, pardon me, by a gentleman by email who made a report he'd taken from his boss. Years earlier, the boss was a serving officer for the Yorkshire Police and he explained an incident that happened one evening when they had to wait at a crime scene until other units arrived. 
The scene was a death and the body showed signs of predation. Whilst at the scene, a female officer saw a strange creature in the woodland. The potential crime scene was in fact the body of a man who was found half-eaten in his tent. He'd been missing for a few years and living rough apparently and it was assumed that it was natural predation. He said that on the night the officers were spread around the scene when another PC started screaming. A real banshee scream was how he described it. He ran to the female PC who was nearest the body tent who explained she had turned around to see a dark shape of something right behind her in the dim light. She said she caught a glimpse of its eye and it was up to her stomach, chest in height. And by the time she got a torch out and on, it had run off. The River Bain Road crossing Sasquatch. This happened only last week on the 6th of April 2020, 8.30pm at night. I contacted your members, Mark and Sean Spikins, and had a strange experience this week close to Market Raisin. On Tuesday the 7th of April, I was driving on River Bain Road towards the A157 at approximately 8.15pm. I was driving around a bend with my full beam on and as soon as I got around the bend, I noticed something through the cab window. I immediately slowed down to get a clear visual of it and I could not believe what I was seeing at the time. I saw it clearly to the point that I could see the whole left side of its body from head to toe. It looked like a Sasquatch. The head on it looked more oval and longer in shape at the top than ours and the Sasquatch was on my right-hand side, about 30 metres away from me, near a small forest, and it was facing away from me. It looked to be thick, dark brown in colour, and it was at least eight feet tall, and it was very thick and extremely muscular. Its hands were easily past its knees, and it had very long and muscular arms. Its body was a lot thicker than the lower part of its legs, and the shoulders looked to be twice the size of a silver gorilla in body mass leftovers or the dmv or house cleaning or chumba casino always brings the fun play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere you could redeem some serious prizes ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I got about 10 to 15 metres closer to where I was standing in my van and the Sasquatch dipped slightly and then stepped off into the trees and disappeared. After it was gone, I slowed the van to a stop and I looked out of the van and I could clearly see a freshly killed rabbit on the floor, exactly where it had been standing but there was no visual signs of blood or an injury. It looked like a quick and instant kill. I didn't stop too long and I was on the route to make a delivery as I was on a time frame. Now, close to this report and in another local woodland in 2007, there is another report made by a lady who said, my husband and myself were camping in Willingham Woods as we are keen bird watchers. On the first night we stayed there, everything was fine. On the second night, we were startled out of the tent by a loud screech or howl, not a noise we've heard before. I asked my husband what bird it was making the noise, but he had no idea. It was about 3am when we heard the call, and it was still very quiet and still in the woods. 
Off to my left, about eye to eye with myself, I saw a greenish eye shine, and that settled us. As it was dark, and my husband explained it was probably just an owl sitting on a branch. At that point, the owl stood up to about seven feet in height and started to walk away from us. We patch up at 6am and we will not be returning. A capybara, I hope I've got that right, is spotted in Barnwoods, Lincolnshire. I live in Sleaford, some 20 miles from north of Barn, and I use the mainly rural A15 road through Barn to visit an old friend in Peterborough and then return on the same route back to Sleaford. One late evening in December 2019, after visiting my friend, who is an ex-RAF veteran, who's been very unwell and is in hospital, I commenced my drive home. It was approximately 11.30pm at night and I was travelling at 40 miles an hour between the villages of Northorpe and Bourne. I saw this creature in my headlights clearly, a very large dog-sized creature that crossed the road. I can only describe the creature as looking like an oversized guinea pig, but with long legs and large paws. It paid no attention to my car as I slowed down to observe it. But it steadily came up from a field ditch on my right. It crossed the road and then went up a small embankment into the woods on my left. I was in quite disbelief at what I'd just witnessed. The next day, I recounted my sighting over the telephone to my adult son, who works in the Newquay Zoo in Cornwall, and he said my description was of a capybara, a mammal native to South America, and it's the largest rodent in the world. Now, I have no idea why this creature is in Lincolnshire, but I can only assume it must be doing very well and surviving on an abundance of veg crops grown all year round in the fields of Lincolnshire. It looked to be in good health, with a thick brown-black brindle type of coat on it. Red eyes in clay, it slowly rotated its head. It was about 20 years old at the time this happened, and I was living in clay um, next to the sea in North Norfolk at the time. I'd been visiting a mate in my local town of Holt and I was walking the four miles home just after midnight. I started to feel a bit uneasy, but I put this down to my normal reaction to the dark and I just kept walking through the woods. Then I just froze. There, to my right, just inside the trees, was a pair of what looked like bright red glowing eyes. I stood looking for a while, but it didn't move. I soon realised that as there was no light source, it couldn't be normal eye shine reflection. I didn't have a torch or anything like that. This thing's eyes were glowing red by themselves, which is completely impossible. It was looking along the road in the direction that I was heading. Now, most people would have scarpered, but for some unknown reason, I got the idea that I'd just run at it and scare it away. I ran towards it into the wood and stopped about 10 feet from where it was and gave the loudest screaming roar that I could manage, but nothing happened. It just kept staring up the road. I didn't do, know what to do next, but then, like something out of a nightmare, it slowly rotated its head until it was staring straight at me. I was frozen in fear for a few minutes as we both stared at each other. I then started walking towards backwards to the road. 
I kept eye contact and I just said something silly like, okay, I'll be going now. And as I walked away up the road, I kept looking back. And for a while, I could still see it watching me until I lost sight of it among the trees. My walk got quicker and then I was jogging and it didn't take long before I was sprinting the two miles I had left. I locked my door, I jumped straight into bed and I left my clothes on. Kids see a six to seven foot tall broad and covered in hair thing. Simon Clark, author of the book series Blow Your Socks Off and a personal friend, speaks on many subjects all across the country. At a recent conference, I would say in end of summer last year, he was chatting with some of the attendees after a talk when he mentioned me in the BBR investigation. One lady who lives in Wigan, in the northwest of England, asked him if he could take her account from many years ago when she was a child. She said that herself and a group of friends had gone to play in the woods as usual. There was an old slit in the rocks in the woods and that's where they went to that day. It was a small cave in a woodland just off the River Dee. The cave had a low, wide opening. The other children would go in, but she didn't. She wasn't comfortable in narrow spaces, so she always stayed outside with the dogs. On this occasion, the dogs heard something, so they dashed off to investigate. She didn't mention what the dogs were, but she did say that they were quite happy taking on an Alsatian. So she was shocked when they came running back to her less than a minute later. That was very unusual for them. They stayed put for a while, but they were skittish. And they went to investigate another sound. And this time when they came back, they had the legs with trails between the legs. By now, all of the children had re-emerged out of the cave. They had all heard something moving in there that didn't sound right. So the kids did what kids do and started running. Running straight home would have taken them past the noise. So they had to run towards the golf club. After a while, as they were running, they all saw something impossible to explain other than it was a it. She couldn't describe what it was, just it was running at them. It was six to seven feet tall, had broad shoulders and chest, and was completely covered in hair. She said that as the dogs ran past the children, they had their tails between their legs, they left the kids, and this is, she said, really frightened her. The kids turned and ran back the way they'd come. Thankfully, they did not see anything else of this creature. A tall reddish-brown creature, Camp Moark, Salisbury, 1961. I had a sighting at Camp Moark near Salisbury in 1961-62 when I was 11 years old, stated the witness. I've searched for years for anyone who had a similar sighting of a very tall creature with long reddish-brown hair. He was not ape-like, not hulky and muscular, but rather stood straight and tall, and he tried to blend in with the trees. I was with two friends, but we did not stay in touch. Not too far away from the camp, and within walking distance, there are a number of other reported creatures. One was seen by a number of army officers on exercise, along with a mother and daughter, who saw two Sasquatch-type creatures crossing between two woodlands only a couple of years ago. There is also this account from another mother and daughter duo, who see an unknown creature in Grovely Woods in 2013. Now, the witness's name is Keisha, and she was reporting on behalf of herself and her mother. 
I was out riding in Groveley Wood, Salisbury. It was about getting dark, so I'd say around dusk. I was on the horse and my mum was walking along beside me. About 50 metres ahead of us, there was a very tall, large, dark figure standing there. I thought it was too big to be a person, around perhaps two and a half to three metres tall, though we were relatively far away. But like I said, he was around 50 metres away, perhaps a bit less, so I'm not entirely sure. But he looked much bigger than a human male, and when this creature moved, it was in a non-human way. It moved with speed that was incredibly inhuman-like, and it moved with a sort of loping stride. When we were at the spot where we'd seen it run off, I noticed that there was no way a human could have escaped that fast, especially through the trees and scrub. Since it was quite thick in there, and unfortunately I didn't have time to investigate any further, since my mum was a little bit freaked out and wanted to get away from the area. She had told me earlier on in the ride that she'd found half a day when she was out a few days ago, and she said it had been ripped to shreds, although thankfully it was gone when we were at that part of the woods where she'd found it. The cat-headed people. This is our so from my friend Chris Huff, uh, who was a fellow witness. This account was told to Chris in the mid-1990s when he was investigating a haunting down at Folkestone in Kent. After chatting for a while with the owner, the owner decided to tell him about an experience he could not explain. He said, here's something I can't understand, maybe you can. Years ago, when he was a kid in the early 1950s, him and his sister were out playing in some woods near Eltham in South London. All was well, just happily playing, when he stated that he felt suddenly threatened. Looking around, he saw two tall, over six feet, very skinny men that were naked, while having some form of loincloth he couldn't remember. They were white-skinned, with reddish-pink spirals painted on their bodies. But worse than that, their heads looked like cats. I seem to remember him stating that they were carrying long sticks. But being an official old fogey these days, I don't honestly remember everything he told me. And I didn't write it down at the time, unfortunately. The Loch Lomond Bears. Two anglers see what looked like two upright bears on a fishing trip to Loch Lomond some years ago. The anglers said they'd wanted to fish for pike in the early morning, so they arrived in the evening before and camped on their preferred spot. In the morning, very early, they sat up on the edge of the loch, looking over one of the islands. While waiting for the fish to bite and admiring the scenery, they were shocked to see something across the water on the island. They saw what they at the first thought was a dark cave opening up. What had second before looked like a solid cave opening suddenly parted, and then they realised it was two bears standing upright. On realising they had been seen, one of the bears started to rock to and fro in a swaying motion. Another report from the area happened in 2007. Now this event also featured two gentlemen fishing in a spot they use often, as they are local to the area. They had set up their rods and they were fishing for a few hours when one of them, happily, the other one felt watched and uneasy for most of the day. And as it got late and dark, they decided to pack up their gear in the car and head for home. 
As they were doing so, they heard a very loud, sharp whistle about 50 metres away. But nobody could be seen. In fact, they hadn't seen a person all that day. One of the gentlemen stated, I packed away quickly. I heard a loud whistle about 50 metres away from us. This startled me, as I said before. I just didn't feel right. I kept feeling quite nervous and anxious to get away. And I fished this area many times and I've never felt like this before. I didn't see anything or make out anything or anyone out. I would have put this down to an animal or a bird, to be honest. But near enough immediately after the whistle, I had a medium-sized rock thrown at my car. Luckily, it didn't hit it or it would have caused a great deal of damage. It was a large rock. It landed with a thud and we couldn't make out where it had been thrown or by whom. I hurried into the car and I just took off and got out of there. Now the area is permitted on my permit, so it wasn't as if we were poaching or illegally fishing. I couldn't think why anyone would be throwing a rock at me on a cold night in the dark. And the houses are just too far away from the lock for it to have been a dog walker, and we would have seen them on the day track, or at least heard them, as they were certain to make a noise coming in and out. And we were the only ones out there on the locking that night. So as you see, I get sent some very strange tales, don't I? I have a lot more for you, um, and I will be bringing them to you over the coming weeks. So stay safe, everybody, and I'll catch you all next time. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.